feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up. You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Twister the, Man. Now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I Almost done with my petition to have that song changed to our national anthem. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Looking for signatures. Uh, if you know anyone that's willing to sign, sure, sure. Um, you know what's kind of unique to that song is that when you get to that chorus and he rocks those high notes, like yeah. unless you have some like crazy. I mean, he's a freak of nature with the sure. range that he has, but the. Um, the insistence that people have on trying to tackle that song for karaoke. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Poor it's, bastards. It's, and I always, I've seen that so many times and here comes the chorus and like as they do the pre-chorus and you're coming up to it, it's it's the emotional equivalent of like going up the roller coaster and you're like, oh, here comes the chorus and then it's right before you plunge down. The difference being um, if the bottom of the roller coaster you plowed into a crowd of elderly people and children and, and everyone died that's what it sounds like with the karaoke <laughs> it's it, kind of funny my it just last week uh my wife found a, a video i think on instagram or something and showed it to my son and it's about these guys are chopping down a tree and the tree uh i think it's called a barber chair um and logging and the uh, bottom swings out. It's called a barber chair? Yeah. Or oh. is that what these call it like back I in the I think I day. know the video you're talking about. Yeah. And it catches this guy in the nuts and yeah. just catapults him into the air. Yes. And then the soundtrack is someone like on the recorder very badly, like that doesn't really know the notes, <laughs> playing the melody to the song. <laughs> and my wow. And my son, who's nine, is just dying laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing. And so how appropriate. He, he kept whistling the melody. And um, so I'm like, well, Let's listen to the song. It's a really good song. That's a song from when I was a kid, you know. And I played him the actual song, and he was completely uninterested. He's like, no, 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 no. I like the other one, <laughs> which is just That's horrifically great. bad on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. He's either, like, just completely 100% not interested in music, mm -hmm. or he's, like, a Frank Zappa, like, right. just out there dude that gets... He's going to be the next, like, the next Mr. Bungle. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Either that, yeah. or he's just been fucking with me for years. <laughs> I uh, I was playing that for Gertrude. That uh -huh. song. I was looking for songs in that, and I was like, 
asking her, do you think I should do this for the intro music? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, yeah, I mean, eventually you have to. I'm like, yeah, right? Like, yeah, it has to be done. It's kind of a classic. It's such a great song. I'm a huge sucker for uh, <clears throat> just good 80s jams, like 80s pop. It's something yeah. that's done so well. Right. I've always thought that was that might be on my Mount Rushmore. It'd be up there with uh, Something About You by Level 42, which I think might be the greatest 80s song. Ever. I don't know if I know how that goes. Oh, it's a good one. I'm Would I know it if I heard it? I just don't yeah, know Yeah, you'd name. recognize it. It's a, it yeah. was a mega hit. And then... Um, it's My Life by Howard Jones is another one. I think that's Howard Jones. Just like irrefutable, like perfect jams. Like just undeniable like hooks. Yeah, that uh, the way that we do music on this podcast, by the way, it's it's never current music. Yeah, mm. once in a while. Um, and I was thinking about it the other day driving around. But the, the reason is, is because stuff like that, that can sometimes slip through the cracks. You hear it again, and you're like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Like, we need to just pay reverence to yeah. this song. Uh, like uh, House of Pain, Jump Around, for example. <laughs> or uh, that time I did the dance version of Baby Shark. You know, well, you okay. Tip so your hat. I'm saying, you know, not all pitches are strikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, that, uh, as I'm kind of, like, reflecting back on all the 80s music, is people think I, I mean this ironically, but... Um, one of the musical artists that I love, like all every phase they went through, is uh-huh. I love Metallica. No, Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Madonna? Like mm. I love old Madonna. Like yeah. the music. Like if you like you and I like to geek out and like break, you know, totally like deconstruct the music and like, hey, what is that? Gu- that's a weird ass guitar tone. What a weird guitar line. And when you, that's one of those bands or that whoever wrote those songs back then, you know, on a, like the Like a Virgin album and stuff, it's so, it's just genius. Like it's, it's people that just understand music and like how to layer it and how to write songs and how to write hooks and how to make like an arrangement and like move around. Yeah. But I also love the new, like Madonna went into like the house, like techno phase in like the early 2000s. Yeah. And that, it's so good. It was good too. Yeah. yeah she's absolutely. got some jams. Um, she seems insufferable as a human being, but yeah, I can't stand her. <laughs> the music is good, and I just had so you and I used to have a construction company. I don't know, what ten years ago or something like that. And <clears throat> no, I don't want to look it up because it's probably longer. Yeah, right. And I was in our warehouse, and I was I was welding these steps, all these metal steps, and it was really hot. And so I had my shirt off, and it was just like I'm going to deal with like kind of getting burned the a little. The sunburn bit. of the welder. Yeah, yeah, but I had like my Carhartt overalls on, and so I have all my you know all the little tools and brushes mm-hmm. you need for welding. And so I had the, our roll up doors were open, and um, just to describe myself, I kind of look like a redneck with just tons of tattoos, <laughs> and I'm sitting the scene here, and I was just going through all like the usual music, you know. I think it was on the iPod back then, and then um, I put on the old Madonna stuff and i was like let's do it and i was like this is really good i had it kind of cranked you know to hear it over what i was doing and then at some point the um the business across the parking lot from us which was a carpet and uh construction cover a carpet installer one of their installers came over and i looked over and he was just standing in the doorway like staring at this scene of like this tatted up guy like welding <laughs> no shirt on and blasting madonna he's just kind of like look he was so confused he's like i don't are you like sailor like, trying to play a joke <laughs> yes yeah, say uh are we going dancing after this <laughs> he's, he was just trying to like do the math in his head nice so uh 
if you're out there listening, we appreciate it. This is our first live right. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we do have one listener. Nice on there. Uh, for I mean, they didn't know what time it was starting. Probably the rest of you were right. a little late to the party. But uh, Matt and I are going to try try to do uh, two shows a week. Yep. Now and uh, the Thursday night show will be live. Correct. So. You'll get to hear exactly how much editing Matt does by comparing this episode with the next one that comes out <laughs> on Sunday. These guys are way dumber than I thought. <laughs> um, we actually, for those of you listening, we have a couple of announcements coming up. Uh, one is that we um, have our first official partner with the show that we will be announcing on the next episode in uh, the form of some advertising. And... We have nice. been kind of blessed. You haven't told me what that is yet, so I'm excited yes, to hear. Yes, yeah, I appreciate yeah, you I, keeping that secret. I, uh, be, I sealed the deal today. So. It's going to be almost as good of a surprise as when I found out that I was having a son the day that he was born. We waited. That was wow, that quite long. Quite a good surprise. Yeah, your whole time, just you're looking at your wife like, would it kill you to take a jog around the block? Like, no, no, I knew we were having a baby. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. just didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Oh, understood. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry, yeah. Gertrude. <laughs> um, and also just the, uh, we will be announcing because as we have built this little, which turned out we didn't ever plan on having a podcast. We just wanted to record us for our own kind of ego and send it to our friends. And it just grew and grew and grew. And now that we're seeing the numbers have kind of surprisingly go up, which is a little terrifying. I got to be honest with you. But we will be announcing, um, now that we're doing the live stuff, there are going to be some developments coming up and some um, another handful of platforms that you can find this on. Yeah, this one you can listen to uh, on YouTube. We didn't tell anyone we were doing it, so if you're out there listening, it's just by total dumb luck. Um, there probably won't be another one on YouTube after we say all the things <laughs> we're going to say today, so uh, we'll, we'll keep you informed. Uh, you can actually... If you guys follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we we tend to uh, put out this kind of information. Um, in fact, I don't know. Did you say what the other event was? Oh, no, I haven't yet. Okay. Then I won't say what I was about to say in case I steal your thunder. Okay. Which I never want to do. No, go for it. No, I don't like stealing your thunder. You, you, uh, we, I don't uh, interrupt. I well, just you know, let you do your thing. Okay. And just okay. mum's a word over here. Okay. I'm uh, going to say anything. The... Um, we are, is this a screening? That's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to steal your Go thunder and say that we are going oh, uh, to probably <laughs> uh, do some sort of invite uh, to let people know when and where. Well, the when is November 21st. The where is still uh, something we're not sure about, I guess. So we'll give that out, that information. We have a couple out. options that we're trying to nail down right now. We're going to do it at the last minute, just in case um, there's any pushback about that that movie that we're screening which is called died suddenly and we played the trailer on the last episode i would recommend watching it not with your kids in the room uh yeah, it's it a, it's looks a heavy pretty, watch. yeah looks pretty heavy but uh yeah we're gonna show it we'll let you guys know when maybe on instagram maybe on twitter maybe both Turn it into a very somber and depressing uh, little social and get together and then we're all gonna get drunk afterwards right <laughs> and cry <laughs> Uh, the person that we are talking about partnering up with, um, for this showing, for this viewing, uh, I actually met with yesterday and I don't want to drop any names, but, um, sat down and had a beer with him and 
one of the more like interesting people I've had the pleasure of sitting down with. Um, had some just really kind of unique and like interesting insights. And it's interesting to meet people. Uh, we, you know, by all means, it's when the pandemic started, people just kind of, that was like a turning point for a lot of people for the way that they were viewing the world and what the way that they started to think about things, particularly in regards to like a power structure, what's the, what's the role of government and politicians and on and on and on, all the usual things. It that was we an acceleration. About. Yeah. It was an accelerated awakening, I think, for the world. Absolutely. Some of us. And so, or it just... It, it doesn't matter. It Even was executed if it was 10% of us, it, it, yeah. it's still a huge gain for so, the world. So it's interesting to meet up with someone who you didn't know before that, and they were thinking all the exact same things that you were, you know, on within the first week of, yeah. of, of this whole thing going down. Um, In fact, I would, I would say the reason I even know this person, and I agree with everything you said about what a gem of a human he is, um, the reason I know him is because of his reaction to right. the scamdemic when it first yeah my dropped. wife asked um i was like oh, i'm gonna go meet someone um just want to sit and have a beer and kind of chat about some stuff and she goes what exactly i was like i, I have no idea but I'm, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be interesting and a useful conversation yeah. and but she asked you know, how do you know him i'm like i think just his behavior during the pandemic just brought us all together mm -hmm. and you just i don't know you kind of start forming your own little tribe and start refining your ideas and riffing on ideas and new products come out and new you know things that become executed like this podcast for example like the mm -hmm. liberty tree company um and yeah it's it's just a way that it's it's it like galvanized people of a like mind and i have lost a lot of friends <laughs> in the last two years and i have made some that i'll have probably for the rest of my life which is which is also interesting because i had a friend come in from out of town who you and I hung out with and we had basically a two day long drunken business meeting where we just started hashing out all our ideas. Turns out, and he's, he's a person that he's horrific with his phone in that I don't talk to him at all unless we're in person. And he's one of my best friends in the entire world. And for us to get together, cause he lives in the, on the other side of the state down in San Diego, our wives have to coordinate us getting together. And right. they, they met through us because <laughs> I've known this dude forever. <laughs> and uh, But it's cool. I, I When I see him in person, we just pick up like no time had left off. Same thing. Just he, he, this whole thing was bullshit, right? The masks, the lockdowns, you know, the kids not being yeah, like, yeah. He's like, you didn't get that vax, right? He's like, no, of course not. It's like everything was exactly the same. Yeah. And we weren't like updating each other on, on this stuff. So it was, it was really interesting. Cool. Um, Great minds. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> you know my buddy Ryan who had massive stroke? Yes. Recently? Yes. So I was going to go up to uh, our hometown mm -hmm. for a, a fundraiser mm -hmm. for him. And uh, that weekend I ended up in the hospital. Right. So I didn't get to do it. Well, I called uh, Brett up there. Just guys, I really I don't know how to get a hold of this, uh, of Ryan without... Right calling him directly yeah and it was my understanding that his uh stroke was so bad that he was like like unable to right to to speak or i mean he was basically like <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
And you can't have a conversation on someone. Sounds like, like his mind hasn't slowed down, though. <laughs> so, uh, turns out he's okay. Ish. Awesome. I, okay enough that Brett told me I could uh, call him or, or text him. Oh, cool. Yeah. Good to hear. So, yeah, I don't know why this is worthy of being on the podcast, but I was mm-hmm. just so stoked to, and if you guys know who I'm talking about, like, I was really, really stoked yeah. to learn that this dude. And so I want to, um, I'm going to reach out to him. Hopefully, talk to him later today. I really don't know what kind of a state he's in, right? Um, but I, uh, I just want to make the guy laugh because, right? You know, we, I just, I don't know. I just feel like he probably needs. In fact, I texted him um, when I heard that you know he might be well enough to to talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. I sent him a text and I said, uh, "Hey, dude, I heard you were still alive. Can you talk?" And <laughs> he texted back and said yes. So awesome! Yeah, just a little bit of good news. I'm super good. That's super good relieved and, and happy that uh, he's at least good enough that he can text me. Very good to hear. I'll record the conversation. You can give me your own two cents. On okay, that, <laughs> his level of recovery. <laughs> um, when I just ha- I had a thought. This was yesterday when I met our friend for a beer to just kind of talk about some stuff. Is I have my kind of we created kind of an inadvertent parallel economy. Now I'm doing it consciously, um, which is what all these business meetings with my friend from San Diego were. It's like, we need to create our own, infra- our own infrastructure. We can't, like, we can't allow ourselves to be put under the thumb of someone who could just cancel us if we say the wrong thing. Um, it's very much the hub of, you know, this issue is, a, is, a, is free speech and liberty and personal autonomy. Um, just basically why we started this podcast, you know, just that those core values that we have. But um, I went outside my realm. What I was getting at is like the people that would hassle me about a mask, I just stopped going. I didn't make a stink. I was like, I just that's fine. It's your business. You know, I respect you can run it however you want. And there are other businesses that's like, hey, we don't care. Like, you know, if you want to have a beer after work, I'm not, you know what I mean? And I just, I'm like, okay, you will be, this is where my money will go. Like, you know, I'm not making, like, a statement. I'm not going to put it on Twitter or anything. It's just a very silent, like, cool, we have this agreement. Like, you guys are going to respect, you know, my decisions and my choices, and I will give you my money. And now we have this nice little symbiotic, I don't know, there's, like, a word for it. Free market, something like that. Like a free freedom. Freedom, something. But, a, but also a marketplace. And I also, I, because when, you know, not to get too far off track, but when businesses are talking about, like, well, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna require to show proof of vax if you're gonna shop here, which that would exclude me. But I was like, I, I totally support that. That's your business model. It's your business. You started this business. You should be able to say whatever you want to say. You know, you make whatever decisions. Or ex- I'm, I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I can go somewhere else. Um, I think I know where you're going with this, and I think you're about to start the show. <laughs> yes, I made a new bumper for starting the show. Oh boy, do you mind if I interrupt All you? All kinds of new stuff. It. Let's do it. <laughs> Ah, that's the old one. Son of a whore. Here we go. Good morning. Mm. Time to get up and go to work. That's all it is. That is nice. Go ahead, bud. Jeez, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> um, I'm not going anywhere near where you thought I was going. Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, well. But starting so, the show. So, so <laughs> now we started the show, but to get back. So my point being of what I was saying is that I didn't go to my usual spot. 
and went to this other spot, which is like a hipster. We are awash in here in Northern California with um, brew houses, brew pubs, new breweries, independent beer brands, which, which is awesome. It's it's great. Yeah, if you're it, into beer, it gets place to be. a little ridiculous because it creates it's so it's there's such a proliferation of these businesses, and it's so omnipresent that it creates starts to create a culture. And so I was at this place. The beer is great. The business is great. The it's, food is great. It's funny how uh, it does do that. I mean, yes. If you think about what's beer, what's the counterpart to beer? It's wine, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and, and it, it does the, the exact worst. same thing, yeah, but in a much different way. Yeah, oh, right? yeah, for sure. But it's just as ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are uh, wine is must be the the primary industry in this area, right? It's, oh, it's got to be. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. And yeah, the culture behind it and. Every rich person puts it's, in their it's own. It's almost like we're in wine and, country. Yeah, and you have you see personalized license plate. They say like sassy wine gal and signs at <laughs> people's house that say, you know, okay, but first wine and it's just you had me at Merlot. I don't know, just like it gets so. I think you have that one in your living room. Actually, it's so play. I had to, <laughs> but I realize like I'm not a big wine guy. Um, I do appreciate a good beer, but dude, I just had this realization. I was behind. I was in line waiting to get a beer behind these people, and it's just, I hate beer dorks. I cannot stand them. I cannot stand the beer dork culture that we have here. And I started, I was just watching these people. I was like, I never thought about this before, but they all have the same kind of, like, attributes, and they're sitting around, like, talking about, yeah, so-and-so has the new, you know, Sayasun beer, which has like a grapefruit finish to it, and blah blah blah, and it, it, you know they always have some kind of a beard going on, some mm-hmm. dorky cap, like they live in England in the eighteen hundreds, hoodie and, sweatshirt, yeah, hoodie the sweatshirt, cap the beard, talking about the you know what beer is coming out, and you know what hiking uh, boots of some yes, some variety, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I said, I appreciate a good beer, but. Just shut up about it. Drink it and, totally. t- and talk about something interesting. There's so much. Thing, there's so many things that we could be talking about, like besides what is in the glass that you're holding. It's, it's just played out. It's just played out and predictable. And I don't know. When you are awash in something, it's I don't know. It's pretty easy to start picking up you know, what you hate about it. That's where I was going with that. Oh really? Yes. That was the point of that. Yes. Oh, Jump the gun. I, hate beard I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> All good. <laughs> so I want to make a prediction that I'm going to. Be- oh, do you? Yes. Okay. What do you well, got? Um... <clears throat> Trying to predict the future is a discouraging and hazardous <laughs> occupation. Because the future's now, old man. You uh, slow at work this week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of going out on a limb here. Okay, I got a couple of predictions of my own. Okay, sir. but this actually, is the other reason, review the other the reason that we started this podcast is my wife was sick of me giving my TED talks in the beginning of the pandemic about like the kids are home from spring break. They're they're not going back. They're going to close down the schools, and it's going to go into next year. I bet you. And there's going to be a mask mandate, and there's going to be a vaccine mandate, and there this 15 days to flatten the curve. It's nope, nope. It's going to keep going. And then all these things would happen, and I would tell people, I was, you remember I was saying this like oh, yeah. two weeks ago? And they're like, nah, I don't remember you saying that. Yeah. And so we had we had talked about, like, we got to start recording. We need a record of this. Yes. I think that was the actual, like, the actual, like, tangible, like, conversation we had. Like, let's just start recording stuff. Yep. Is 
I don't think there's much of an argument against that um, Joe Biden is... Uh, this could go in. <laughs> Give us something good, Matt. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. If, I mean, the dude is barely alive. He's not functioning. He's not functioning in capacity that... I mean, he shouldn't be driving, much less uh, no. running the most powerful economy in the world. And there have been ideas floated around that... I think some of us will think this kind of makes sense that you're not really going too far out there. I think some people will go like, that's, that's just completely asinine. Um, I think this might come true so much so that I'm, I'm actually thinking about betting a thousand dollars on it. There's websites that you can bet really on political outcomes is I, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of it. It's just kind of, yeah, just out there in the weeds, like political stuff. But as of January 1st, one day after two years, if he steps down, right? One day after two years of being in office? Yeah, two years in office, one day after that. So this would be January 2nd. You know, inaugurated on the 1st, right? No, wait. Wasn't it the 6th? Something like that. You know, January 6th was something else. No, I think the inauguration right. was right after okay. that. Yeah, okay. thank you. Yeah. So two, de- two years and one day, he's going to step down. It's just so obvious to like... That's e- your prediction. E- well, no, no, no. Oh. Even the leftist, even the leftist media, which is almost all media, is saying like, "This, this is not good. This, like, just stop. Don't let them talk anymore. You just need to put them away." And like, so the problem with that is, is we can't hide. You know, George Bush in a bunker after nine eleven. You know, we wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for Dick Cheney and the continuity of government. When you have someone like Dick Cheney, that's like, yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of running shit here. Like, I, I got it from here. Just, Some would say think, we don't have that luxury right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, maybe you should briefly uh, recap continuity of government. And, Con- continuity of government, just the bare bones of it, is um, it's basically a protocol established if uh, that something happens, a nuclear holocaust i mean that would never happen right with russia or anything we're speaking hypothetically or a a a major terrorism attack or the the president um you know is assassinated or the president the president is just so incapable of any kind of intellectual decision and has late stage dementia that it becomes obvious it's like the step before the 25th amendment where we just we're voting like you have to go like you might not know it but you, you it's just too, it's it's too much of a liability to have you making decisions right now. As much as that president alone makes decisions, as it refers to Bush and Cheney, is the continuity of government also included the Patriot Act and the restructuring of the Middle East, and this was part of the project for a new American century. This all this stuff was written a year before nine eleven, and then it says in 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 their paper that we need a new Pearl Harbor to basically execute this plan that we have the the biggest component of it being a complete nation state building program in the middle east it built in america's image and 9-11 happened they locked uh they had george bush locked down in florida where he was reading the school children they moved him to a bunker in louisiana and kept him there incommunicado like he didn't have any contact with anyone for several days and by the time that he came back into the fold dick cheney 
Donald Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz, all these people that authored the Project for New American Century. We already had the Patriot Act up and running, and we are already ready to invade Iraq and to basically restructure the Middle East in our image. It was the most evil genius thing. Yeah. It's, it's like beyond, like as reprehensible scumbags as these people are, what they pulled off and the amount of work they did and that's the way they had everything laid out is nothing short of genius. Yeah. These people I are geniuses. I see where you're going with this. You, yeah. So what you're basically saying is that Kamala Harris is going to do essentially the same thing with Joe Biden. No. Ah. <laughs> we well, so, said evil so, genius. So to quote the genius the, part so made me think of the Kamala great, Harris. Uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Robinson from the Macroaggressions Program. He's like, you want to do something funny? Get really stoned. Like read up on the project for a new American century and the continuity of government and the, and how they pulled ev- they pulled everything off they 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 manipulated the media they manipulated not just our country but other countries to support it and like it's just they restructured the entire world like for forever the world is never the same after this and we were still over there fighting these wars right is Charlie Robinson said think about all that stuff that they did look into it read into it. Get really stoned and then start watching Kamala Harris videos and imagine her like trying to pull off the same thing. Yeah, not not likely. So, but unfortunately, she is second <laughs> in command. And here's what I think is gonna happen: is two years, one day, Joe Biden steps down. He's just going to have so much pressure for everyone. Like, yeah, you have to do this. We can't keep doing this for two years. It's, it's like you shit your pants at the Vatican. You're, you know, you're ignoring every issue that, you know, the economy, crime, immigration, all the stuff that's like every kitchen table issue that everyone is talking about. And you are. Yeah, you but know, do you, do you think he's the one ignoring no. him? I mean, I don't think he's no. doing I think anything he, I think on he his he own has volition. People, I think he just gets things shoveled in his lap. Yeah. Um, there's oh, a, and that's why, actually, this just occurred to me. Like, at this point, they're like, let's just get put as much of this shit on Biden as we can. Right. Just fill him I up, think, put it in his pockets, have him be just this bloated mess of bad policy. Yeah. So we can throw him under the bus and say it was his fault. Yes, because by all standard measures, it, it begins to look like, as we go into the midterms, that, like, you see the things that are becoming talking points for the Biden administration and what's coming out of the White House and the press secretary. It's like, are you guys... This seems like the planned demolition of a, of a party right now. It, it just seems like you guys are – it's right and left. Every issue is more or less the same. It's crime. It's inflation. It's the economy. It's the border. Like every poll says that. It's that's, – that's the, at the top of everyone, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever. Like these are the issues that people are worried about. Sure. And they're not addressing any of these. It's like what do we get instead? We're going to send a, a trans TikTok star to the White House, and we're going to do a one-on-one interview with him, her. I, don't, I lose track of what you're supposed to say. And Joe Biden. It's like I think that it is appropriate. Yeah, that's what you guys are giving us. That's what you guys are giving us. And so it's like, and right before the midterms, like, are you guys trying to sink your party? So what I think is going to happen, they're going to shovel all this shit on Joe Biden. It's, he's going to have so much pressure from his own party and his own people that he has to step down. Yeah. which puts Kamala Harris in charge, which fucking no one is having. Right. She has a 20-something percent approval rating from right. her own party in her own state, California, San Francisco, Bay from Area. From her own percent. relatives. Yes. Her own mother does not approve of the job she's yes. doing. Yes. That's what I hear. And she gets to pick who the vice president is. She's going to pick Gavin Newsom, and they're going to plan 
to wow, groom. So this is all part of your prediction? Yes. They're, they're going to groom Gavin Newsom. And you're going to put $1,000 on this? Yes. Oh, my God. They're going to groom Gavin Newsom to run in 2024. She's not going to run in 2024? No, hell no. no. How do you keep her from running? They won't let her. How do you keep Bernie Sanders from running? Hillary well, Clinton says, I don't want him running. I want the nomination. It's very easy. They, okay. They, they did use a mechanism to keep Bernie Sanders from running, right? They told everybody, uh, they, they, they emailed people in the DNC yeah. to not support Bernie Sanders. And it was not that hard to find out. Yeah. That all came out. Then when Similar it came to the debate, like they gave Hillary Clinton the debate question. Because it's going to be very, very obvious yeah. with Kamala. If she's president of the United States, she's young. She doesn't have any health reasons to not run that no, she's her, just going to step down. Her own, her own party will destroy her. Her own party will say, like, you're not, you're not yeah. running. You're not, you're not going to do it. You're not getting the nomination. So, yeah, well, Gavin, that'll be interesting. Gavin Newsom, 2024. <clears throat> All right. All right. That's I my like prediction. It. I like it. Um, I am curious how the Kamala uh, stepping out of the way part happens. I don't doubt that it can or will, but uh, if your if your prediction is right, that will be a very interesting part of it because that's going to be so obvious and hard to to hide. It'll yeah, a lot of people are going to question that. I I think the power structure is such that it it will actually a be white male easy to do. Usurping a woman of color, she has, Oof. she has, she's gonna have to die, I think, to make that happen. She has, well, if, when Hillary Clinton throws her hat <laughs> in the ring, this is very much gonna just happen. Fucking just another notch on the belt. <laughs> what is that number eighty-seven? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Kamala, who? Who is she? Hashtag Shit. Clinton body count. Uh, so that's my prediction. Um, I had another thought because since we're on the subject of the midterms, um, I have recently, (laughs) I was going to say the privilege, but it's more of a burden. I am now my son's history teacher uh, because we're doing a homeschool hybrid. So it goes to school part of the week and then we do either stuff here at home or we have uh, pods with other parents that we organize. Um, And right now he's on the Founding Fathers, the creation of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, which I love because I love history. I'm a total, I'm I'm a history nerd. I always have been. It was always my favorite subject. I'm still reading about all this stuff, you know, just on my free time. And to go through it with him and to see him make the connections of, you know, what that means as far as the ideals of the country that you were lucky enough to be born in, it's it's a lot of fun um, to, uh, to describe these things. But that sounds awesome. something came out to me, and I, <laughs> I had a thought. Um, this found me looking up the population, which is, you know, obviously an estimate of the 13 colonies. Um, when the Founding Fathers started to create, which would become the ideological foundation of our country, uh, they had a pool of what's estimated to be about 2.5 million people, right, okay. of all the 13 colonies. And from that pool of people... They drew Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, John Adams, you know, all the founding, like morons, <laughs> people, <laughs> people that would, you know, create a, an experiment in governance that had never been done before and which would become, you know, the, the, the most powerful economy in the world that mm-hmm. we're looking at now, like, like the model for Success, successful democratic republic, yeah. representative republic, depending on who you ask. 
Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I thought of this as, as I was watching some of the. I'm following like the midterm debates because there are there are a lot of other states that are very very close, and they depending on how these races go, everyone's more or less predicting a red wave. Definitely the the. I'm not a Republican, but something has to change drastically now, today, you know, next Tuesday. Um, well, is, a lot of the Republicans who are running are running on an America first. Correct. Trump. Yeah. I think uh, it, and Trump-esque and kind I of I think platform. a lot of this is the backlash. So it's of, not just right. It's not just Republicans running against Democrats this time around. Yeah. It is, but the the hope is there because it's not a bunch of Mitt Romneys running right. against you know, just Democrats. It's just a bunch of milk toast. It's more like a bunch of, um, uh, Marjorie Taylor greens. Right. You know, that we're hoping are going to come into power. Which we had not just in legislature, but in state governors. Right. Which we had been talking about before, like the backlash to what we have seen for the two years, last two years is going to be severe and maybe even a little scary in some places. Cause you know, there's a very, some people have talked about like when you, for example, say like we're not going to prosecute crime anymore in the urban centers, and it's just hats off. And when you look at things like San Francisco and Chicago and Los Angeles and what's going on with you know businesses are moving out of California. Like we're just we're not going to have a store in San Francisco anymore. We can't like you guys don't prosecute crime. Like mobs of people come in here, assault the you know the other shoppers, the people who work here, walk out with everything they want, and and the cops don't even show up. And my fear. Is I as much as I need, I would like a course correction and want to see the pendulum go back the other way. But that pendulum could go too far, and we could be looking at like full authoritarian police state. Yeah, what we need is way more law and order, way more powers for law enforcement. And you, you know, if things swing so far to extreme in one way, they can very likely swing to another way. And like we're gonna end up yeah. with some fascist dictator like just cracking down on everything. Right. I don't think that would happen, but it's just I don't know. As far as political philosophy, it's something I think about. Anyway, what I was saying now is to get these minds out of a pool of 2.5 people, one of the races I was I was watching, Pennsylvania has a, Pennsylvania, has a population of just over 13 million people. And the best you guys can come up with is John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. <laughs> it's like, what, the, what is wrong with your state, Pennsylvania? You need to do better. Like, we, out of 2.5 million people, we came out with some of the most genius political minds that history has ever known. And you guys give us a, middle, a middle-aged trust fund deadbeat and a made-for-TV quack doctor. <clears throat> well, yeah. You, you're touching on something that I have a lot prepared to talk about. I don't think we even have time mm-hmm. in here. I was going to save it maybe for uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just sum it up. Give us, saying, a pr- give us the primer for yeah, your, your okay. Sunday show. So America started out as the most beautiful, shining example of what uh, self-governance can mm-hmm. look like. Right. Um, in fact, I think reading uh, David McCullough's biography of John Adams mm-hmm. when I was probably 19 or 20 made me into the libertarian that I am now. Mm-hmm. Because I found what those men created to be so beautiful, so divinely inspired that it just, it struck me. And I was actually uh, very religious at that time of my life. And it struck me as being so divine. Mm -hmm. This, um, these men, these imperfect 
men. I mean, John, you know, John Adams drank cider for breakfast every day. <laughs> like <laughs> he was just a, but, but he was somehow not that that's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, so I, you're I do that myself. He's but. like, he's like <laughs> in the bag by 10 AM, like penning letters. Like what if everyone just fucking did whatever, you know? <laughs> No, the opposite. Penning the most beautifully written letters you've yeah. ever read. You know, the way that those guys corresponded with each other and with their wives and with, I mean, it was, it was a beautiful time. So we started out at, at that point as being um, governed by these people that maybe, you know, like what uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe would call the natural elite. Right. Men that just commanded respect, mm -hmm. generated wealth, generated economy just by being people that everyone else looked up to. I just did a huge dive on, just as a quick side note, that is something I've been kind of riffing on for a future podcast, but the difference between natural elites and political elites. Oh, and God. It's, and yeah, it's so. a pretty simple, yeah, it's, that, yeah. that's... Right, and if you don't know... Um, that's Hoppe, right? That, came, that yeah. discusses that? Okay, that's right. Yeah, so... Um, it's pretty fat. It's, it's such a simplistic idea. Well, think like, of it this idea. way. So we used to have natural elites like think of the movie braveheart and you have this guy that rises up out of essentially poverty mm -hmm. in in scotland and he doesn't agree with the way that they're being treated by the british which is why he made lethal weapon <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly uh he was so powerful in, of in character and in in spirit yeah. uh, and bravery, um, that people just naturally followed him. Right. So you know we had we have natural elites in America that our founding fathers, uh, the the Carnegies and the, the people that made their wealth just by being great. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people could you know argue that they they stole it, but that's a entirely. I was going to say Elon a, Musk, and then I'm just okay. So Elon Musk prepare for the onslaught of <laughs> tamper emails. Tamper Elon emails. Musk, Bezos, Gates, right? You could almost put them in that same category, but and actually, you know, like uh, Rockefeller and, and Carnegie, the same thing happened. They very quickly became political. Right. Because the federal government of the United States of America had more power than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Hasn't always been that way. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, the federal government, well, our, our whole was, system was founded on limited power. It was predicated upon the notion. That, it was founded on yeah. self-governance. Exactly. Right? Not the governance of a king or of, of a giant, you know, uh, a government. They wanted. They were to aware be, in the very beginning of the notion of political elites, and they wanted to diminish the possibility which, of that as much as possible. Which is why they all loathe the idea of democracy. Mm -hmm. And why that actually why this comes from Hans Hermann Hoppe's book, Democracy, the God That Failed. Right. Because democracy is actually so just an insidious evil. Yeah, it's mob rule. It is mob rule. Exactly. It's why we have socialism. It's what how we got Mao and Hitler and Stalin and all these terrible dictators of the 20th century was because of democracy. Whereas natural elites, a, a system of a, a Republican form of government where you look to these natural elites, these, these brilliant men to lead um, and let them decide what's best for a society. We had in throughout the, with that system in place, we became the greatest country that the world has ever known. Mm -hmm. 
somehow by I mean probably because other countries have just been done so poorly we are still the greatest country but that's you know we're we're just a shadow of what we were right so it, it, as it pertains to liberty absolutely as it pertains to liberty um but even though we're wealthier now than we have ever been um marriage rates have collapsed mm-hmm. since then um, and that's true for you know all people, not just white people, but I mean black people used to have a higher marriage rate mm-hmm. than white people mm-hmm. did. And so just I was supposed to just just do a little synopsis of this, right? So I'm not going to go into all of my details here, but I have this theory that what happened? Why did this change? How did things start to crumble so quickly? Mm-hmm. And right around 1950, 1960 is when you see the growth of government start to skyrocket. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. So in 1950, we have uh, the the real per capita federal outlays, meaning like the size of the government, the amount of money that the government gets through printing, right. stealing it in taxes, um, borrowing, mm-hmm. was a thousand times higher than it was, wait, what is, yeah, thousand, no, a hundred times, sorry, a hundred times higher than it was in 1800, mm-hmm. okay? Today, it is 4,000 times higher. Right. Almost 5,000 times higher now than it was in 1800. So you're looking in at span, a hockey in stick. span of 60 years. Yes. Yeah. So obviously with the growth of government, what do you have? You have people in power wanting more power. Yeah. And how do they get it? By being political elites. Not by having people trust them, by showing people how the right way to live your life. Not that by they're particularly talented to, or insightful. By in, picking in up anything. a sword and stabbing a guy on a horse, right. like in Braveheart. Um, no, just by, just by passing laws and stealing money from right. the rest of us. I mean, we pay so much more in taxes mm-hmm. now. And than was ever you could ever think was possible. Fifty percent of what you do just goes to the government, it's taken away, and yeah. gives given back to you in little yeah, yeah, tokens yeah, but, that but, you didn't. No, yeah, but all that money goes to build. If you roads. talk about the roads, I swear <laughs> to God, <laughs> right? I have so, I, I've developed so many great hot buttons that when I've you know I I very much agree with what you're saying and I've said it and. and different forms to other people but yeah i, I, I there's I have a certain litmus test or certain things when with someone if if one of the first things they say is roads and schools I'm, yeah, it's conversations over like cool nice chat with you it's just i know never mind you're probably right so what is the thing this is my theory on this it's actually going to lead in this might lead into one of my questions i mean one of my uh predictions but what i think What I think happened. Welcome to. What I think happened in 1950, well, around then, mm-hmm. is the television was invented. Ah. If you read John Adams or other biographies from that time, and it, it includes all the, the letters, the correspondence of these guys, mm-hmm. they're always complaining about the newspapers. Right. right. I mean, they, the meanest shit that they said to each other was about. The newspapers. Uh-huh. 
it was just as awful and insidious as it is now. The The newspapers were 100% political back then. Mm-hmm. They lied. They cheated. They tried to influence the public to vote for their guy, mm-hmm. right? They were team red and team blue back then. That was only back then. That doesn't happen now, though, right? Well, the thing is, is back then, you read a newspaper, right? And then you put it down, and you what? What do you, you go out and you hunt pheasant, or you do your chores, or you know whatever? Yeah. It's like it's done, right? Yeah. You read the newspaper, it's done. It might get you riled up, yeah. But it's just like a newspaper does not have the ability to wrap its tentacles around your brain and hold on to you. Like I mean, try to get your kid, try to get a two-year-old toddler away from a television. Yeah, you know, TV. Well, radio first. Radio had a power that far surpassed newspapers gotcha right it could it could influence people i mean that's what uh in that's what hitler's big advantage was was he had you know radio you know whatever it's called nazi Mm -hmm. um and they would give out free radios to people Mm -hmm. but it only had one channel it was the state channel right it was very very powerful because it was so much easier than reading a newspaper and so much more compelling. You had sound effects and you had voice, people's voices and inflection and, and things that could really you know, rile people up. That sticks with the person. And then when TV came along, it was just like, okay, now the media can really grab a hold of people. And that's when you started getting people going, yeah, totally. We definitely need to be raising money for this stupid cause and that stupid cause and the government should take care of us. And we have to do that. You know, all of these ideas that these political elites wanted to um, use. And I don't think they intentionally were trying to destroy America, but they had to destroy America because the principles of America were about self-governance and limited government. And that's what made America great. Right. But they couldn't be great in that system. They had to be great by getting rid of that system and stealing from the rest of us. Which then you have which, to jump from <clears throat> a natural leads to political leads. Exactly. And they were very much cognizant of that because as someone is a power-obsessed psychopath, like I, I think almost every politician these days is, these people, you got to give it to them. They're kind of ahead of the game as far as, uh, as a little bit of future-proofing to yeah. look, look from a 40,000-foot level. And like we need – like. You you have an awareness that you don't have the skills to get by on your own virtues or, you know, your own whatever level of elite that you might, well, don't land on. And once you understand that how political power works and how power structures and hierarchies work, I think these people, you know, I think you're kind of hitting on something. These people are very much aware that they needed to kind of start throwing monkey wrenches into the cogs if they were going to rebuild the entire political power structure in their image. And then you had the people that the the would be natural elites, who see that they're the guys with the guns, mm-hmm. and they're no dummies. Right. They didn't get there for being stupid. Right. Yeah. So they get into bed with the political and elites. And now and we next have thing you know, capitalism. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. birth of crony capitalism. And who owns the TV companies? But the these ca- crony capitalists. Yeah. And so you see this hockey stick curve uh, and this right. spike of government growth and the deter- deterioration of the American ideals. Yeah. Right? And that's why we're all suffering right now. And it has come to a head recently because they've run out of what they capitalized on back then was the most productive economy the world's ever known. I mean, granted, uh, World War II, you know, helped that, but we're talking right. about, um, because America wasn't destroyed by World War II the way Europe was, but it didn't matter. America, was 
powerful economically because of the free market more than anything else. Correct. Right? And so there was a lot of meat on the bone back then, and they've been stripping it away ever since. Do you know that the time that we started using uh, greenbacks, dollar bills, Mm -hmm. 1913, right, when the Federal Reserve started printing them? Creature from Jekyll Island. Correct. Yeah. The creation of the central bank. Read it, kids. Yes. The $1 bill then has been inflated since then to now to the tune of 300%. Right. So, or no, I'm sorry, 30%. Well, oh, no, I'm sorry. Three, what is one? Uh, uh, $30 now equal to $1. Gotcha. Is that 300%? No, that's 3,000%. 3,000%. Yeah. So 3,000% inflation we've had since 1913. And uh, that's just I, the dollar. I just saw a release from the White House that in, actually inflation went down <laughs> since Biden took office. Oh, good. Wow, I didn't read that. I didn't see that update. Yeah. And that's just inflation on the dollar. That doesn't count inflation, hidden inflation. Right. So shit used, that used to be made of metal is now made of plastic. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of, that's an a example of hidden inflation, right? right? You think that things are getting cheaper, which in a free market, things get cheaper, right? That the plasma TV when it first came out was mm-hmm. only the, or cell phones, only the very, very rich could afford them. Yeah. But the people that invented them knew that, they could make them cheaper if they could just kind of get their foot in the door. And so they sold them to really, really rich people, mm-hmm. which is a reason to appreciate really, really rich people, by the way, because had they not invested and bought these $5,000 cell phones, none of us would be talking on cell phones, right? But so things get cheaper over time, naturally. That is just economies get more efficient. Can, the, the ways that uh, people compete against each other to try to gain a share of the marketplace just demands that they make things more efficiently and they can that we all benefit from that, right? Um, but when you're getting a lesser product for what used to be a better product, which we all know stories of, I and mean, you hear people talk about it, they just don't make shit well anymore, right? Or look at our food. You know, like, I, right. was it Anthony that brought up the health food section, or was that I you? I did, yeah. You know, there shouldn't like be a health our, food if our, section. If our health, if our health food sector and, and our basically government-run, you know, giant food industries are not broken and corrupt there'd be no such no such thing as a health food section in your grocery store your grocery right. store would be the health food section i did a d de- oh we, i don't want to get derailed but um you were chirping two weeks ago about seed oils and i was looking into that today i did <laughs> you probably know this that seed oils were an industrial lubricant for lubricating like giant machines and like auto factories yes. And then they go like, you know, we can make more money on this if we turn it into salad dressing and things like that. And Dude, it's some, some of the most evil things that you can put in your body. Another side note tangent. I can't go into it right now, but someday you got to – I got to tell you the story of the olive tree. Okay. I'm going to try to look. I haven't had trouble finding this, but there, I saw this documentary once about how the olive tree came about in Greece mm-hmm. and how um, it basically revolutionized Greece. Yeah. Because of the oil, not because of the fruit. Right. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Right? The oil was the important thing. But yeah. there you go. Seed oil. So even olive oil, it's a seed oil. Yeah. You know, extra virgin, blah, 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 whatever. No, it's it's a seed oil right. that revolutionized the Western culture because of its lubricating properties, not because it's healthy to eat. 
this, like eating motor oil. This is uh, I, we tackled this what three four uh, episodes ago, but this reminds me of because uh, that guy Jan Winner who was on Joe Rogan. He's arguing. I mean, he's just a boot licking status, miserable boomer shitbag. But he's you know riffing on like how the the impetus for the for the discussion was freedom of speech and who and he's saying like no the government needs to regulate the internet needs to regulate these social media platforms and everyone's like why would you put the internet in charge of that like how could you trust these people totally like, well look at all the things that they've been really successful at and he goes okay go ahead <laughs> he goes well i mean what they've done with our food industry and you know when you start it's thinking like about the like, food industry the food industry is beyond corrupt i mean the obesity rates the heart disease rates the autoimmune diseases the, the inflammation rates that we have like there's no doubt like there's no argument against it's irrefutable that america is just plunging into has been plunging into a complete health crisis since i don't know what the 60s you know as we moved away from actual real food into this processed chemical laden like just not real foods. They're just weird chemicals. They're factory made, like chemical. What I don't know what you even call it. Foods are not the word for it. It's and so after you shot them, then he goes, sustenance. "Well, we have the pharmaceutical industry, you know, and they've worked with government to come up with all these cures." And it's like, it's feed. Yeah, yeah. It's like a feed. It's a chemical it's feed. feedlot for it's human beings. It's not food. It's feed. Yeah, yeah. And then the second example was the pharmaceutical industry, and you're just like, "Hey, Dick." <laughs> Probably the wrong year to bring <laughs> up the virtues of the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> like, how out of touch. Just go home and listen to Neil Young, dude. Stop talking. No <laughs> one needs to hear what you have to say. And Barry Manilow. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he's off the hook. No, he's off the hook. Um, well, just to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you have the these elites controlling us, you know, at that point and controlling the media to, which they always had done, but because they're using this new technology, TV, uh, it became much more effective. Yeah. And then um, what did that finally become? The internet and social media. Mm -hmm. And that has taken us to the point that we're at today where people are so easily manipulated. Right. So, and... And the corporations are just like they might as well not even be considered capitalism in my mind anymore. They are simply starting. Look at Silicon Valley. Right. They're starting their businesses, and the same day they start them, they know that they're going to be writing regulation to get them into a monopoly. Yeah, with and partners with government and a monopoly to control people and control the world it's fascism it's gotten so bad yeah. and there is a a clear timeline from the beginning of our country to how we got to this point and yeah i think uh i think we can blame tv well
So for those of you new to the show, that was our bathroom break music. And that came about after we made the executive decision that not many people like to hear us broadcasting the sound of us urinating. Um, for those of you that did enjoy it, I did get your emails. Um, I'm unfortunately off the market, but if things ever go south with my wife and I, uh, I'll, I'll fully hit you up. So uh, appreciate uh, the attention, and as always, thanks for listening. Uh, there is something that I wanted to bring up. Um, this, we talk a lot about this podcast of like, I don't know, what's the Chris Chris Rock quote? Uh, Here today, gone today. It's just the pace of our news structure and our corporate media um, zeitgeist is just at a pace that is dizzying. Um, Damn it. And we always feel like we're kind of, I don't know, walking the line of, I think, a lot of what's wrong with our corporate media structure. Well, everything. But the reason why almost everything they get is wrong is because there's this rush to be first. And if you don't hit a story in four or five days, it's just kind of considered passe. And But interestingly, you find out that everything that corporate media reported was completely erroneous and false and oftentimes on purpose, in my opinion. But um, I really wanted to hit this because this article is making the rounds and I wanted to go through it and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Is uh, A lot of things kind of came out of the woodwork to me. Um, and this is the whole idea of declaring a pandemic amnesty. Um, New York Times has picked this up, MSNBC, CNN, and with The Atlantic, where it was originally published, they all seem to be kind of colluding on this massive media propaganda campaign calling for this amnesty, um, which is essentially the COVID fanatics version of, you know, let's just move on, no harm, no foul, right? It's their version of the olive branch. Um, this whole conversation appears to have been started by a lengthy article by someone named Emily Oster, O-S-T-E-R, uh, the title of Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Do you know anything about her? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. I actually, um, like a good pseudo-journalist, <laughs> I did some research uh, of just just the bare bones. So you're talking about her. Yes. The pseudo-journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it's a really interesting article, and I try to the best of my ability to remain diplomatic. Um, I think there's usefulness in understanding the insight of people that you know you vehemently disagree with. Um, this one is especially hard because it's a bit, it's very emotional, emotionally volatile subject, I guess I'll say. Um, I've always, I guess in other words, I try to remain cognizant of the fact of like, I need to understand like where these people are coming from, even though I know right off the bat that I understand it. Cause just by, just by the title of the article, I was like, I know I'm not going to, uh, disagree with it. Or no, I'm not going to agree with any of this stuff. So I want to go through some of the things in the article, and uh, I just kind of, as I kind of was reading it, I kind of like riffed on my um, own ideas on these things. I should note that the graphic at the top of the article is an old-timey painting of a woman holding what, I, what looks to be like an olive branch, the proverbial gesture of, you know, let's lay down our arms, let's let the past be past, let bygones be bygones. You know, let's all meet in the middle, and she calls out for this. Let's 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 move forward, you know, and make a better world. So, um, I'm declaring this uh, segment 
fuck you, no, Emily. <laughs> the article starts off like this. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. So, okay, just, okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, what kind of parent are you? That's what I. That's that what I. The first you thing I raised of. a four-year-old to yell at people yes. for any reason. I don't care. I if my son, who's also four mm-hmm. right now, raises his voice at another person that's not maybe his peer, like a, a kid his age, uh, he gets in trouble. Yeah, I mean, he just he doesn't do that because he knows that is not okay. I also thought that I understand that she's using this, you know, little anecdotal kind of tale to like, you know, set the table for her article. And I know it's her way of like basically kind of skew our brains as we read this article. Like things were a little off the rails and we all were kind of confused and kind of maybe acted a little erratically. Yep. So fuck you. Yes, you know. <laughs> So I'm putting this in the same category as the tweets and the social media posts and the articles written by all just the, you know, COVID fanatic you know, NPCs that said, like, uh, just I'm trying to get my kid to school, my 10-year-old, and he's hysterically crying and refuses to get in the car because I told him that they just lifted the mask mandate. Now, I understand these woeful tales are in no way, you know, describing, like, how thing crazy things got, but... I know you want to describe like we might be looking at like a new normal like but you know what these dis- these stories actually describe when I see these things this is what it described your utter failing as a parent like you miserably failed your if your 4 year old is yelling at someone on a trial at a on a tr- hiking trail or your 10 year old is hysterically crying you have made your kid mentally ill that is on you that is not on the kid your kid is not mis- misbehaving you did that the news didn't did that do that the the white house didn't do that the the virus didn't do anything a reaction to the virus did all these things thank god people are finally saying that out loud i mean not you and me yes (laughs) so all these stories you know about how difficult things were that is 100 percent on you as a parent um you have succeeded in making your child mentally ill congratulations i get it we know you didn't vote for trump because of it but i hope that was worth it back to the article These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Wow. Thank God we know that now. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. Okay, here we go. We didn't know. Before we kind of dissect what she's saying here from a more, like, academic angle, um, I just want to use our, like, simple blue-collar working man brain here. Emily, you are currently a professor at Brown University, one of the most elite universities on the entire planet. You didn't at least have a small nagging suspicion that wearing a cloth bandana around your face outside while hiking didn't do anything. She might not have been a, a little ridiculous. She's not a gender studies professor either. She's a, she's a she's a professor of economics. Yes. Yeah. You she's, do have to use logic. She's a legit in economics. Professor. <laughs> yes. I mean, you could re read that sentence again. Uh, read that last sentence again. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. 
Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyways, but we didn't think for ourselves. Yeah. That's the That's right way to write that sentence. Yeah. Because you and I knew that it didn't happen. In fact, a study actually came out very early on saying... But you know you, you can't listen to that. Well, saying that's, that it I, wouldn't have that's why I wanted to but, apply like our, our kind of blue collar working man brand. Yes. It's like me me and my friends are we're not gifted with information that you don't have. My it's sus- pretty easy to walk around like this is stupid. I, I intuitively know that wearing a bandana around my face outside is fucking theater, and I'm not going to do it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you're think you're walking around outside, stepping over dead bodies, right? Thinking that. Yes. You know, avoiding uh, people collapsing. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> we were not in the Black Plague. It was very obvious very quickly that this was a big fucking nothing burger. We've mm-hmm. talked about it ad nauseum on this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, my nanny was the, I was still a little bit uh, scared, is not the right word, but just apprehensive, I guess, about the disease, not knowing what it was. And I remember my nanny just saying, it's the media. She's probably the right. first person yeah. to, to say that to me. Yeah. You know, and it, yes, it was like, oh, duh, of course. Yeah. And you know how I know that? Because I wasn't stepping over dead bodies. Right. Like you would have been in the Black Plague. Yeah. What 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 was being spoon fed to you on the media and what, as we have said on several episodes, what I saw when I walked out my front door were completely yeah. incongruent with each other. But we didn't know. No, and you didn't think for yourself. Yeah, that's, what, you that's what you mean. Yeah, and she brings, she keeps saying this in this article. Like, we didn't have the information. I was like, I don't know. We, I intuitively made a decision that this was ridiculous, and then I did have, I did have the information. I had to find it myself, and it didn't jive with anything that was on corporate media. And it became, it so quickly became, when I knew officially I had a, you know, I, my hunch, my intuition, I was like, this is this is nonsense. Why are people wearing masks outside? I had a carload of people that tried to pick a fight with me in the beginning of the pandemic because I was running. I, w- I was going for a jog. I was running down the sidewalk. There wasn't anyone within 200 yards of me. There was no one around. And a, a, a car full of masked people. I remember you but, telling me that. Yeah. To which I very much said, like, absolutely, we, if you guys would like to fight. Cause I'm Dude, what if, that car, <laughs> what if that car stopped and it was like a fucking clown car? <laughs> And like thirty <laughs> clowns got out of it. <laughs> How do you die? Oh my god! <laughs> okay, no, I don't want to fight. Ow! Let go of my leg. <laughs> and when the my bullshit meter was in the red, and everything became just so galvanized in my mind, is when it just so obviously all this became a political statement for low status primates of just raising the virtue flag of like we're all doing this thing together. And when it had all this, like, we talked about the nonsensical ritualistic theater that went along with it. You know what I mean? Oh, we got the mask, and we're gonna, I'm going to jump off the sidewalk if you're walking near me, right? Like, I'm a primate just Walk like into you. oncoming traffic yeah. so I don't get and uh, And we're going to we're gonna stop cutting our hair. You know, the guys stop cutting their hair. Like, because oh, all the barber shops are closed, right? Because, God, there's no way I can figure out how to get a haircut, you know, unless the barber shop's open. And everyone's, now they're growing beards, too, and... You walk by people, you point to your hair and your beard, like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, the pandemic. It's, like, it's funny that just guys did that. Yeah. Because women, like Nancy Pelosi, were okay with going to the bar. Well, they set her up. That's different. Oh, that's true. She was framed. <laughs> yeah, she was framed. <laughs> just like uh, Paul Pelosi's uh, drunk driving condition and his uh, gay love trice that just went off the rails with a hammer <laughs> last week. Hammers. Hammers, that's right. <laughs> Neither of which was brought by the assailant, which is, I still haven't figured out. <laughs> 
Why does Paul Pelosi have two hammers? There's no way that guy does construction. <laughs> Maybe he does. Actually, I, you know, what do I know? Maybe in his former <laughs> life, he was a carpenter. Um, <clears throat> Jesus was a carpenter. That's true. Uh, as she says in the article, these precautions were misguided. Okay. Uh, I wanted to... By... <laughs> right. On the surface, this may seem like I'm picking an argument over semantics here, but this is important. Um, as we always say, if you control the language, you control the narrative. And as is used here, once you realize that the aim of this article isn't so much to extend the proverbial olive branch, is mm -hmm. what you people are doing is trying to soft pedal and you know your reaction and to gloss over and dumb down the things that you people did that fucking destroyed this country, which we will get to in a little bit. Um, and I bring this up to say, like, I'm using, I'm going to use your language and point out how you, you are using it incorrectly, because um, I am not going to let you simply shrug and say, let's move on. Um, are you okay? So to quote her, the precaution, the precautions were misguided. Are you familiar with the precautionary principle? Uh, uh, no, I'm not. Okay. It's a legal approach. Yeah, it's the precautionary principle is a broad epistemological, philosophical, <laughs> philosophical, <laughs> and legal approach to innovations with potential for causing harm when extensive scientific knowledge on the matter is lacking. It emphasizes caution, pausing in review before leaping into new innovations that may prove disastrous. I experienced that firsthand a few weeks ago. Did you? I wanted the doctor to put me on... Uh, the uh, prednisone that he said would cure my fungal infection. He said, we can't do that. You could have some other infection. As a doctor that, should do. And it would hurt you. Right. It could hurt you. We just don't know. Turns out he was absolutely right. I did not have a fungal infection. That's the infection. precautionary so, principle. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So a fundamental component, as you just laid out, I would argue the fundamental component of the precautionary principle is that it inherently requires us to, you know, to weigh the cost of implementing such precautions you know, as in follow the science, which just became a fucking sheep banter. And you need to factor in the collateral, collateral damage that these things are going to cause. We did not get to, we did not do that. These people did not do that. So sorry, as it pertains to this article, you fell short in one of the foundational tenets of, you know, the principle that you are espousing in this article. You don't get to use that word. This is not a precaution. This is not what you, you you're using that word incorrectly. Yes. I don't, I don't correct over semantics, college professors very often, but she's fucking wrong in this article. Do some fucking research. Okay, <clears throat> back to the article. Some of these choices turned out to be better than others. To take an example, close to my own work, there is an emerging, if not universal, consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the students' well-being and educational progress were high. The latest figures on learning loss are alarming, but in spring and summer of 2020, we had only glimpses, glimmers of information. Reasonable people, people who cared about children and teachers advocated on both sides of the debate. Nope, that's fucking bullshit. We did not have people advocating on both sides of the reopening debate. There was one fucking allowed narrative, and that was the schools were going to be closed. Anyone else that said differently was deplatformed and silenced and doxxed and called a teacher killer, and a murderer and, you know, a, a, a Trump supporter, I don't know, whatever your guys' like pejorative du jour was. So don't give me this, like, we had rigorous and healthy debate. Do we make decisions? And if you were a parent, you knew on day one your kid not being in, not being in school 
was negatively affecting his life, especially if he had a little kid. Anyone that spent five minutes on a Zoom call watching watching their kids trying to learn via distance learning knew that it was bullshit and your kid was not being educated. Yeah. You're 100% right about that. And I think even today that narrative is, is being shut down. Yeah. In her defense. Welcome to the party, people. <laughs> personally, she actually, I think, was advocating for schools to be reopened. She, I, okay. I got thoughts on that, too. Yes. Okay. I'd love to. Because yeah. I just, and I, I haven't done much research on her until just yeah. now. I was just on Wikipedia. But she wrote an article in The Atlantic, same mm-hmm. same newspaper. Yeah. Um, in October of 2020, saying that schools are not super spreaders. I'll give her that should one. Be yeah, she, said, she, she says that later in this article. It doesn't article change what you just said, though. Yeah. Her article was also swept aside and not allowed to be part of Correct. the mainstream narrative. Yep. It's only now that I've heard of it and that anyone else probably. Yeah. It's not like it was being talked about, debated on mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Article. Obviously, some people intended to mislead and made wildly <laughs> irresponsible claims. I don't know if you're describing yourself in the corporate media complex there. Remember when the public health community had to spend a lot of time and resources urging Americans not to inject themselves with bleach? Nope. nope that did not happen. <laughs> don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> if what you are really? referring... What, they spent a lot of time on that, What you they? are referring to is some offhanded comment by dipshit Trump about, like, maybe bleach fixes this. And the media's two-week-long fascination, it created a full fucking feeding frenzy where you guys like, oh, like, we're going to spend all of, our, all of our propaganda calories on, the, on this one thing that this guy said offhand. That's what you guys did. You weren't yeah. trying to, No one was drinking bleach and, in, and in injecting In fact, if they were or they were injecting bleach into themselves, it had less to do with Trump. As always with Trump, he says something that's kind of has some sort of nugget of reason mm-hmm. to it, and it is not he doesn't say it right or with the right kind of backup of you know the the whole media and the people around him yeah so it comes across kind of stupid and rightfully so um it's the media that blows it up yes and it's the media that is probably responsible for people actually doing that if that ever happened which i don't think it did there was no giant propaganda campaign that you guys were trying to refute that people were like no the the answer is injecting yourselves with bleach would everyone would all these doctors and scientists please stop telling the public to inject bleach into their skin as if they have access to the right tools to inject bleach Unless you're a fucking heroin addict. It's not like it's just laying around your house. Actually, it is kind of laying around my house, but that's for another reason. Uh, Also, side note, um, if you are sitting at home and you hear some politician freestyle riff about injecting bleach into your body and you do it, have at it, my man. Let let Darwin do his work. The herd becomes stronger. All right. (laughs) Back to the article. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. That is fucking not true. Categorically, that is not true. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right. Someone else was proved wrong. In some instances, the right people were right for the wrong reasons. In other instances, they had a prescient understanding of the available information. No, almost every position was not taken on every topic. Um, This is what happens. This is the kind of things that you believe when you exist in an ideological bubble. You might have had some nuanced discussion that all led to the same result you guys maybe i can imagine here in academia you guys are talking like maybe like five feet social distancing might make more sense or anything like this no two meters two meters yeah two meters thank you 
there was there was one established narrative. Lockdowns were good. We should wear masks, practice social distancing. We should close the schools. We should close all local businesses, and we should mandate the shot. That was the only allowed narrative. So don't give me don't give me this like nonsense that we had this rigorous, healthy debate and we ended up here. It's like no, yeah. there was one accepted narrative in all of academia and all of corporate media. That was it. Anyone that didn't follow that was ostracized. They were shut down. They were silenced. They were demonized. There was no argument against that. No. To say that there was a debate is just completely not just wrong, but disingenuous. You know there was no debate. Yeah. Article. The people who got it right, for whatever reason, may want to gloat. Okay. I'm not gloating. I'm fucking pissed. I'm not keeping score. This is not about keeping score. This is about holding you people accountable. You, as if you could gloat. I mean, imagine going up to someone and saying, ha ha, I was right. Masks don't do anything. I mean, it, you would get shut down so quick. Yeah. I walk into my hospital. I don't gloat, but I do try to be a total dick to yeah. the people at the hospital that every fucking time I walk in there, make me put on a mask. I tell them, wow, when did this hospital become so superstitious? Yeah. It's not about superstition, sir. It's about health and safety. Are you, are, are you wearing a cloth bandana? Exactly. <laughs> All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and drive the culture wars, especially on the internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. Unproductive. Unpleasant. How about fuck you? You were wrong. <laughs> we were right, and you were wrong. And you don't get to gloss over that and all of a sudden go... There's no olive branch. Like we're not, we're not, we're not taking it. Like you were wrong. You got everything fucking wrong, and the decisions that you guys made and the things that you enforced and helped enforce culturally and politically ruined a generation of children. That's the one that gets me. I got thick skin and low self esteem. You can't hurt me. <laughs> so if, you, if you're gonna demonize me, like fine. I'm. I didn't miss any work. I I've set myself up where I don't. I'm not beholden to this shit. I was like, but when my kid was out of school, when my friend's kids were out of school, and we're seeing kids have lost two years of learning and development, like, now I have a dog in this fight. I have to get involved. And that's why this article pisses me off. And you know what this article is? This article is not a call for amnesty. What it is is no. you, you are announcing to the world that you have been forgiven. Hey. You've forgiven yourself. Well, what she... So I'm skeptical that she came up with this article on her own. I believe she was put up to writing this. Mm -hmm. And I think what she's really doing is just saying to everyone, hey, everybody, let's just, uh, she kind of sees the writing on the wall, like Nuremberg trials are yes. coming. Hey, uh, you know, bygones be bygones, you know, no harm, no foul, right? right. Like, let's just kind of forgive everyone and we'll just all move on, right? Shake hands. You know what she reminds me of is the complete pile of shit guy who cheats on his wife and ruins his family and instead of apologizing announces to wife like hey look maybe we should all go to therapy you know we, sh we should really work on this we've all made mistakes like no 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 you no, made you, the mistake motherfucker you you, <laughs> you crawled me on your hands and knees and begged for forgiveness and if i'm feeling the least bit gracious i might even consider it probably not cuz you just fucking tore this family apart yeah. you're a fucking terrible person like you don't you don't get to retroactively absolve yourself of any wrongdoing. Yeah. 
No, you she were wrong. sees you the fucking... 100% wrong, and we were right. And now you're coming around to what we've been... Welcome to the fucking party. Even Bill Maher. Like, all you guys, welcome to the party. We've been saying this for two years. We've been saying the exact same things. You guys don't get to come around. Like, oh, those are crazy times, right? It's like, they're crazy times because you guys made them like that. We didn't want this. We didn't believe this. We didn't, we didn't buy into any of this shit. And you guys wrecked the economy. You wrecked a generation of kids. You wrecked thousands of local businesses. I mean, you ruined families. You got people watching their relatives die on a fucking Zoom call. You don't get to you don't get to waltz into the party now. Like that's kind of crazy. So what have you guys been up to the last two years? Now she sees the writing on the wall. Yes, shit is coming down for this. Um, look, I I I don't think um, I do think there's room for forgiveness. I don't. I don't think that everyone who was uh, everyone was acting in bad faith. I think a lot of people were not smart enough or inquisitive enough okay i'll or give you bra- that or brave enough yeah uh okay so to do that but but if you are a, a person who is in power maybe is the right word uh and i would include her in this and you're writing articles or you're influencing public opinion or you're saying things that are actually getting uh published and you are too ignorant to say the right thing mm-hmm. here, yeah, you have some groveling to do. Right, you are on the hook. But I'm not gonna blame our friends or our, the people that we know who are just didn't get it at the time. We're mm-hmm. just deluded by what we were talking about earlier. Just the media's, you know, all-encompassing presence in their lives, especially with social media, telling them what to think. Okay, right. If you got that wrong and you're that person, like I will forgive you, but. Um, I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Yeah. I think that people that were promoting this narrative and were getting published for it, you know, they need to pay a, I, a, I, a price. I, I would say this. I would say this to these people. Um, I agree with you. Not all of it was. There was some extremely evil, vindictive things being done intentionally by a lot of people. Absolutely, um, I, and I, I I I agree with you. I am willing to recognize the distinction between those people and the people that just bought into it because they thought it was the right thing to do. I absolutely agree. There is a delineation between those two people, but the people that first group is going to hell. I mean, that was proof right. to me that there are literally demons alive and well walking on this earth. It's not a guy in a pitchfork with a and pointy yeah, tail. It is make no mistake, that includes people that may or may not have had a hand in creating this pandemic on purpose mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, to that, se- one to, to that second group, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> charitable here, even though I don't want to be, and your heart was in the right place and you thought you were making the right decision. Here's what you need to do. You can email us an apology at <laughs> Kelly at Liberty Dream. <laughs> Give us a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> Is you, number one, you don't get to announce amnesty and that bygones be bygones and we move on for a better term. Right? Right, everybody? Hey, no, you know, no, no harm, no foul. The, the, first level, the first letter you write is groveling for fucking forgiveness and admission that you got everything wrong. Nothing short of that. You beg for our forgiveness. Number two, I want a head on the plate. I want fucking action. What's going to change? 
What's what's gonna be different? I want the CDC fucking destroyed and rebuilt. I want the WHO destroyed and rebuilt. I want the politicians rebuilt. Or just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Put on my Antifa hat here for a sec. Just destroyed. Uh, I want the politicians. I want the politicians responsible for this. That knew what was going wrong, going on. That knew that the lockdowns weren't doing anything. That knew the mask, day, mask mandates weren't doing anything. The Gavin Newsom's of the world who shut down the schools while the kids stayed in school and he ate out the French laundry. I want them removed for power. I was like, you guys, you need. Uh, you, we need a sacrifice. You need to offer us a sacrifice. We need a fucking head on the plate if I'm going to take you seriously at all. People like Anthony Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, Randy Weingarten from the the <laughs> United States Teachers Association, they should be in a fucking cage like an animal for the rest of their lives for what they did to children and, and, and actually the entire world. Yeah. It's like, I off, agree. offer us something. Number two, here's the other thing. Let's, let's, let's be charitable, right? Let's be neighbors again. I would like that. We have to move on. We have. I would rather not. I, I would rather not coexist with you people. But let's say that we have to to make this world work. Here's the caveat. I never want to hear a fucking another opinion from you people again that got things so wrong. Don't talk to me about Ukraine. All right. <laughs> Don't talk to me about the stimulus package. Don't talk to me about Build Back Better or the Green New Deal. Your your opinions. You you shut your fucking mouth for the rest of your life. Put your tail between your legs and just be civil. And I will ignore you. That's it. That's my offering. What if they come around and realize their mistake and then that all taxation is theft? And, okay, all yeah. right. <laughs> That's something here. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I definitely hear where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, you said, was that the end of the article? Yes. I mean, um, there's, there's more, but. You said that. Um, for ex- and speaking of forgiveness, people like Bill Maher um, are coming around. Two years late, but yes. Two years late, absolutely. And he has a huge and I, platform. And I appreciate it. I, I'm not demonizing people like it's. Um, I we don't. I don't think we have time for me to go into this right now. But uh, I see it all over the place mm-hmm. that people are coming around to our way of thinking. absolutely. And I even think a guy like Bill Maher, I mean, every time I hear him lately, he's like he had Yuval uh, Harari Harari on his show the other day, and he was catching him in his contradictions and pushing back, and and he had this other lady on there that was um, just trying to, they're basically anti-humanists, right? That mm-hmm. um, Gillian Tett, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was just pushing back and everything they said. Just like this guy's kind of waking up. So I have a another prediction. Yeah, I'm not going to play the bumper. I think Bill Maher. What's his biggest issue? What do you think his biggest thing that he would die on a hill for? Hmm. My prediction is that he's going to come around on it. Climate. Yeah. Climate change. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think so. I like this prediction. Uh, I'll play the clips on our next show. Okay. But he uh, he was talking to them, and you could just see the gears turning in his head. I mean, when he was talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. he kept pushing back on the guy, like, "What are you talking about? Like, you you you're supposed to be this like science god, and you can't understand like the simple like idea of statistics or the simple idea of human nature. Right. People don't just do what they. Are. I heard the clips and of what of them arguing about the, the COVID regime and what yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying. I was like. This guy is so 
ideology trumps intellect. And that's a perfect example. Totally. He's like, I have just no doubt that he is a brilliant mind. Right. That he's a natural elite. It would be very easy to say that about Bill Maher. Yeah. Uh, in, in the past, that ideology trumps intellect. Yeah. But he comes around on these issues. Yeah. I My prediction is that he comes around on, on climate change. I and like it. I will be there to gloat when that happens. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs>